sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's summer, at least stateside, and we hope you're relaxing, getting some much-needed R&R, vitamin D, and all the things the other seasons couldn't give you. And this summer, we're exercising some rest ourselves, but while we're recharging, we're sharing pieces of episodes from some of our favorite podcasts. Consider this your summer reading, but an audio version that you might actually do. Your summer listening. This week, we bring you a preview of an episode from our friends at Two Lives. Stories of people who have faced darkness and how those moments transformed them. The title comes from the quote, we're all given two lives. The second begins the moment we realize we have only one. Enjoy. When Amy Greensmith turned 16, she got to pick out a ring for her birthday, a purity ring. Her mom loved to shop on QVC, the shopping channel. QVC had these knockoff diamonds called Diamonique. And then they would have these weeks called like Diamonique Week, where all their Diamoniques would be on sale. And so I saw this one during Diamonique Week on QVC that was a teardrop shape. It was probably about one carat. It was just a solitaire. It looked like an engagement ring. And it, but it was Diamonique and it was about a hundred bucks, but that was so much at the time. Amy loved clothes and accessories, so to her, it was fun. But she also understood and bought into the significance of it. I'm not going to have sex with anybody until I get married. And then once I get engaged, I will move it over to my left hand to symbolize that that man has the power to move the ring. People would notice the ring on her hand at the restaurant where she worked, and they'd say, oh, are you engaged? Don't you usually wear that on the left hand? Because it looks like a total engagement ring. And, and I said, no, actually, this is a purity ring. Or we called it a promise ring. This is a story about questioning such promises and finding the courage to break free from indoctrination. This is Two Lives. I'm Laura Morales. 
Amy's dad caught polio soon after he was born in 1950. His case led to extreme scoliosis, his spine in the shape of a giant C-curve. Her grandmother was told the only way for him to walk unassisted was to do rigorous stretching routines with him every day. My grandmother, bless her heart, was determined that my dad was going to walk unassisted. So she had to do a series of, I think, like 36 different exercises, something like that, each day in two different increments. And she had to really start discerning audibly when is he crying out of extreme pain. But his illness didn't stop him from speaking his mind, especially when it came to God. Amy's parents were both missionaries. The family attended an evangelical Christian church every Sunday, Bible study, as well as youth group meetings at least once a week. I was very much in a very born-again bubble. My whole life, you know, we were always involved in church. While there were a lot of strict rules and expectations in their home, there was also a lot of love. Amy was especially close with her dad. He'd blow-dry her pajamas for her, so when she got out of the bath, they'd be warm. He would also take me on dates where he wanted to show me how I should be treated. We would go on these lovely little father-daughter dinner dates where he would take me to a fancy restaurant and he would open my door. In middle school, Amy recalls her mom driving her to her first co-ed birthday party. Just make sure that you're not one of those ones hiding off in the bushes or something like that. And I dismissed it somehow. And they they really stopped and said, no, you make sure you are not one of those ones making out in those dark places. The message was, if you have sex, you will get a disease or get pregnant. And all of the pressure seemed to be on the young women. It really started to teach that all negative repercussions or things that you might experience from boys or in, in turn men are because you did something. There's this quote from the Bible that you are your brother's keeper. And so the idea was you are responsible for how you're dressing. All of that stuff, the onus was on the women. And it was this idea that the boys just simply could not be controlled. They cannot control themselves. It's just how things are. So ladies, it's on you. The church used fear and guilt to educate against other potential vices. So it was, if you ever gamble, if you play the slot machine, you will eventually become addicted to gambling and you will squander all your family's money. If you smoke weed, it's a gateway drug. All of a sudden you're going to be on heroin and you're going to be on the streets. It was everything, you know, drinking, you'll become an alcoholic. It was so extreme. She was asked to have blind faith in all of these beliefs. But Amy's not one to keep her opinion to herself. My mom would say, you never have to wonder what Amy's feeling, because I would just say exactly how I felt. In high school, Amy began to ask questions. She asked her mom if masturbation was wrong. And she said yes, because it leads to sex, which is a sin out of wedlock. Amy challenged some of the biblical teachings at school, too. They would be teaching us stuff like Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac because God told him to. And I was like, mm raising my hand like, so you're telling me if God told you right now to sacrifice your son, you would be on board with that simply because God said. And so because of that, in my little circle of friends, 
I got branded as like the sassy bad girl who's like a bad influence. And they would all go to bat for me with their parents. Like she's amazing. She doesn't do any of the stuff you think she does. She just pushes back on some of the things that were being taught. And there was no room for that. Amy remembers talking to her dad about an issue that... Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. She just couldn't wrap her head around the church's stance on legalizing abortion. And I remember very specifically him saying, I certainly can't get on board with the act of abortion, but I don't know if I think that it is the government's place to make that decision which was quite a liberal perspective for someone so conservative. And I remember thinking about that and kind of going, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was a piece of the argument. All of the messages that I had received around abortion had always been, it's wrong, there's no way it should be legal. There was never a conversation about the overreach of government controlling women's bodies. While her parents rarely discouraged Amy from expressing herself, her church and school did. Amy never smoked or drank, but she began to rebel in small ways. The school had a dress code. They weren't allowed to wear jeans with holes in them, so Amy would patch her jeans with duct tape so you couldn't see the holes. Word got out that Amy was rebellious, so when it came time for the class trip, many parents questioned whether Amy should be allowed to go. One of my friend's fathers, it was laid on his heart that I was not to go. And if I was going to go, he did not want his daughter to go. Even though Amy was a straight-A student, one teacher said she shouldn't be allowed in the National Honor Society, all because she was outspoken, questioned rules, and things that didn't make sense to her, and essentially acted like a teenager. I have so much anger around the lack of education and the lack of freedom to just genuinely be who I was and to not have any of that demonized. Like, then it was, you're a sinner, you're living in sin. Amy was attracted to both boys and girls, but knew the church did not accept same-sex relationships. So she dated boys. They were what she considered Christian light, just Christian enough for her parents to approve but none of those relationships lasted. Amy says she was eager to settle down, 
to trade in her promise ring for an engagement ring. I just scared everybody away because I was like, do you love me? Do you want to get married? Do you want to? (laughs) And they were like, slow your roll, man. We're 15. The summer after Amy graduated from high school, she got a job working as a hostess at Guadalajara's, an Irish-Mexican restaurant. That's when she met Ken Smith. It was his job to train Amy. Frequently, they'd eat dinner together at the end of their shift. He had a crush on one of the other hostesses. I had a crush on one of the busboys. So we would sit in the back in booth 38 and we would talk about how am I going to get him? How am I going to get her? And, you know, so we were fast friends. And then I just kind of gradually saw myself checking the schedule a little bit more to see if I was working with him. And he's very extroverted and gregarious. So we would talk about how we were going to approach these other people. And we gave good and bad advice to each other about how to do that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, those obviously didn't pan out. And um, I think one day I just said, you know, why don't we go out? And she's like, well, why don't you ask me? I'm like, I kind of just did. Ken was 26. Amy was 18. Her heart skipped a beat when on their first date, Ken came to the door with a bouquet of flowers. I had gotten done dating a lot of really awful guys. Their ideas of dating were like, let's go to this kickback, let's go to this kegger, you know? And and then here was this guy who really wanted to court me. So our very first date, he brought me three roses and three carnations like super 1950s style, met my parents, picked me up, had a reliable vehicle. Ken took her to a Japanese restaurant for dinner, then a movie. She remembers him trying to make her laugh. They had been friends first, so they were both very honest with each other. At the end of the date, Amy looked down at her promise ring and asked Ken, So what do you think? How do you feel like that went? Like, I wanted to... Let's debrief. I, I never... I. <laughs> I never bought into the idea of games and like, oh, I don't call too quickly. I was just like, let's call a spade a spade. How do you feel? How do you feel that went? And I remember he said, I feel like it's a good, we're in a a good pace. Like, let's just go at a nice pace. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds good with me, you know? And we became kind of inseparable after that. So they took things slow. At this point, Amy still didn't drink, smoke, or do drugs. She still abided by the church and her parents' rules. I had this, like, super conservative, limited upbringing. And he had been, he fought in Desert Storm and had survived a volcano eruption in the Philippines and had delivered babies in elevators and had lived with women, you know, in relationship. And I was like, Jesus rules, you know, like... (laughs) So I was like, I went to a really cool summer camp once. One day, during her restaurant shift, Amy was in the bathroom washing her hands. She took her promise ring off and put it on the edge of the sink like she always did. I lost it. I would take my rings off to wash my hands, and I think I just left it there. And it looked, it looked like a real diamond, so I bet somebody thought they totally fucking scored. Her parents never asked what happened to it. And they were pretty good about evading those sorts of topics, not digging into things that they may not want to know the answer to. 
On today's show, you heard an episode from our friends at Two Lives. To hear the rest of this episode, click the link in our show notes or search for Two Lives. That's the number two lives on your favorite podcast platform.